This is One in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 54 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And this morning I'm speaking with Andrew Camaro, founder of uh, Planning Across the Spectrum. And uh, Andrew, you know, you reached out to us to, to inform us about some of your work, and I am thrilled to have you on the show this morning to tell our listeners about um, not only what you do, but also uh, how that came to be and why you do it and, and what kind of gap it might be addressing um, in your view. So Andrew Camaro from Planning Across the Spectrum, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I founded Planning Across the Spectrum a couple years ago. I've been a certified financial planner for 10 years, and I really enjoy helping, solving problems. And after I was diagnosed on the autism spectrum myself, I did transition my practice to very specifically focus on families with a lot of non-traditional financial planning questions, right? A lot of times... They don't even know what are the right questions to even ask and hungry for benefits and and resources and being able to help and point people in the right direction. I I saw the large need, so that's why I started it. Okay, so you got a, a personal connection, and and you just covered kind of a gap that you that your work is is addressing. Um, I would agree with you, having uh, spent quite a number of years working here at Anderson and interacting with families, some of whom have um, a, a loved one who's been recently diagnosed, some of whom are are raising a um, a loved one on the spectrum, or or having a loved one on the spectrum as an adult living with them, and sort of starting to wonder about the longer-term future. Um, Those financial questions in terms of the best way to plan are huge, and uh, and I would agree that... um that, that they're not always going to be best answered by uh, by something traditional, you know, at least without an understanding of um, some of the some of the nuances and the specifics um, that a family with uh, a loved one on the spectrum might um, might might have those questions. So let's go back a little bit. Um, you've been a certified financial planner for ten years. Um, did you develop a love of financial planning? Is there, you know, is there something in your in your childhood or your, you know, when you were in school that really got you moving in this direction? Are are you, um, you know, what what is it about financial planning in particular that type of problem solving that you enjoy? I really just enjoy money, how money works, right? And I also really enjoy fixing problems. I remember I was probably, you know, four years old. There was, you know, a tag sale, right? I loved handling the money, um, <laughs> yep. you know, or even just <laughs> fascinated with it. I took my permits for money at 13, and I bought, you know, Palm Pilot, um, you know, if anyone remembers them, slightly dating I myself. do. And uh, when they were, yes, and... um so and then I learned how taxes work too. After I sold that, I didn't think that was right, um, and still don't. But no, so I, I've always just had a, a fascination, um, you know, a, a love for it, and and then I turned that into again helping other people, you know, be successful with it too. That's great. I'm, I'm uh, thinking back to my. Um you know, when I was growing up, and and uh, I'm wondering if if you ever played the game Monopoly, and if you did, were you the banker? 
I was actually going to bring up Monopoly. Yes, not only was I, I the banker, but nobody liked playing with me, right? Because, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's the, uh, you know, it's the red properties, right, that you're going to land on the most, and then I wouldn't want to mm-hmm. trade. So, no, I, I was not fun to play Monopoly with. So, as a no, a little too, so. a little too close to home. That's um, that's funny. Thank you for sharing. I think um, you know it's interesting uh, that that's why I asked the question. I'm glad there's a little story behind it. That because um, because if you don't mind, I mean, I think that that one thing that's all, you know immediately sort of unique and and important to to I think point out is that I've I've interviewed attorneys. Um, uh, and other professionals who are on the autism spectrum um, on this podcast before, and what what many of those folks tell me is that families um, often feel or or clients, whether it's a you know a client um, who's on the spectrum themselves or a family member of a client who who's or a family member who is the client who's maybe raising a child with with, uh, with autism or other special needs, they tend to feel really more comfortable because they think that there's um, maybe just a general sense of um, this person's going to sort of understand all of what I'm uh, what I'm facing and all of the questions that I have from a slightly different perspective. So I do appreciate you sharing that that um, information and I think it's an important aspect of, of how you brought two things um, together to, to kind of uh, follow a passion of yours, obviously something that you enjoyed and have enjoyed from a young age. I can kind of imagine you with the box of, of money at the tag sale. Um, you know, I can I get I get that. Um, and then uh, and then also the helping people aspect. So if you don't mind a little bit of a side note, um, I also interview quite a number of adults on the autism spectrum who maybe haven't um, gotten to where you've gotten with it, uh, who, who talk about struggling with finding something to do as a professional adult that also is something that they're passionate about and feel um, connects them to other people. So, do you, you know, since, since it seems like you've come to a place with that, you have a, a company that you founded, um, it seems, you know, just from hearing you talk, seems to make you happy. Any, any advice for, for somebody who might um, be struggling, maybe has a college degree, Agree, but isn't sure how to kind of take the next step into the professional world? So I think it really depends. I think if somebody has a passion about, you know, for a certain subject, then the value can be recognized. And what I mean by that is, you know, that doesn't mean necessarily specific, you know, autism at work initiatives. You know, three other of the employees who work with me are, you know, on the autism spectrum, and none of them will fit, let's say, the stereotypical, right, autism that, like, I might fit, right, like, good at math, right, you know, et cetera. Um, they all have their own things. So one of the other people who works with me, another Andrew, does presentations on autism and driving and finding autism events. There was no job a year ago on finding autism events and doing presentations on autism and driving, right? I like to say that there's people who make a living selling chocolate-covered roaches. So if you're, you should be able to find somebody who can appreciate, you know, your talent for something that you do and do well, but a lot of times it may be creating that job yourself. And I'm really big on encouraging entrepreneurship in some capacity. Well, thank you, Andrew, for that um, for 
for that commentary. I know I took you a little off topic, but um, but I always appreciate the opportunity to talk to somebody who really might uh, have some ideas that would resonate with our audience. Um, you know, from from that perspective. Also, um, anybody who can work chocolate covered roaches into a into an interview um, conversation, I think is <laughs> definitely uh, somebody that I enjoy talking to. So, um, couldn't agree with you more on that one. So we have a couple minutes before our, our, our break here. Um, can you just talk a little bit in those maybe two minutes or so about um, give us an overview of planning across the spectrum um, and maybe for now just focus on who you work with because you mentioned that, that several of your colleagues also are on the spectrum and do you do that uh, purposely? So two parts to the question. So first off, in a way I do it purposely. I try to find the best people for the job and if those people happen to be on the autism spectrum, which I think a lot of individuals who are very talented are, then that's perfect. It's not charity work. I'm not a nonprofit. I'm here to make money. So that, that's the reason uh, for those individuals, and they have a passion for what we do as well. Uh, we serve three groups. We serve, you know, family members, I'd argue, you know, very similar to, you know, quote, traditional financial planning uh, for, you know, those with autism, special needs. The other part is we really like to work with the individuals themselves. I would say a lot more than traditionally. I feel a lot of times they're talked over or left out of the conversations. We really try to include them, especially as individuals ourselves. And lastly, we do work with employers and nonprofits that want to you know, hire individuals with autism, recognize the talent like we do, and pay them in a way that can help maintain their benefits or provide some value adds financially. It's about a lot more than just a paycheck. That's great. And I, you know, I think that it's important to also make that distinction that, you know, that, that <laughs> there's such a movement right now, um, thankfully, I think, within the business community that employing people on the spectrum does not mean that you're paying less or, or compromising in any way, whether you're an employer on the spectrum yourself, hiring other people who are also on the spectrum, but you really captured it beautifully. You're hiring the best people for the job. Um, and, uh, and I, I want to see more and more and more of that. Um, that's just my personal plea to the world, I guess, because I think it's the right thing to do. Um, uh, Andrew, we're going to take a really quick break, and when we come back, um, I'd like to get into the nitty-gritty of, of more of the services that you offer and, and some places where people can go to find more information. Um, and I have some questions that might, uh, might resonate with some of uh, Anderson's families uh, themselves. So this is 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. Hey, Hudson Valley. Got plans on October 7th from 7 to 8 p.m.? Now you do, and you don't even have to leave home. Anderson Center for Autism is hosting a virtual Year of the DSP event to honor direct support professionals. Join us for a celebration of the people who kept us inspired during these challenging times and help us honor this year's Above and Beyond Award winner who's been selected by our very own Anderson families. Proceeds benefit Anderson's Emergency Response Fund. Learn more at andersoncenterforautism.org/dsp. Welcome back to One in Fifty Four, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host Eliza Bozenski, and I'm talking today with Andrew Camaro, sorry, uh, founder of Planning Across the Spectrum. And Andrew, you are um, one of those guests. Uh, and I've had many on this podcast who um, just sort of surprises me with your um, with with the the various topics that we can connect on. Um, 
uh, not just obviously financial planning, which is one of the you know ma- main things that you do for your business and and through your company planning across the spectrum, but also just um, I think about interacting with people and employment and following your dreams and um, and pursuing your your passions and your talents. Uh, so it's been a really nice conversation so far, and I thank you for that. Um, I am I am perusing your website, which I think we should throw out there. It's planningacrossthespectrum.com, uh, just as it sounds, planningacrossthespectrum.com. And you have, um, you know, obviously a homepage about us, uh, you know, who you serve, your resources, but you also have events. So just to be a little different, can we start there? What, what types of events are you at? What are you doing there? What would people who come to see you... Um, or if it's virtual, sort of tune, you know, log in or, or follow the link to find you, what would they hear from you? Well, actually, that's a great question. So we do have uh, a lot of virtual events, but our event calendar is something unique in itself. We have, and I'm not exaggerating, thousands and thousands of events, uh, anything, you know, autism-related from around the country, virtual or in person, that are, you know, not a lot of them are not ones where we're participating in, just something to provide a resource, right? We hear that, mm-hmm. you know, families and individuals, they're, they're looking for information and resources. So, you know, we felt the need and the want from people to, you know, well, where can I go for this, you know, sensory friendly or something like that, or this informational or this advocacy. So we, you know, try to put it all together in one place. Well, I, I can see that you have, and, and there's, um, you know, so I would definitely encourage people to go to planningacrossthespectrum.com because there's tri- quite a number um, of events listed here, um, quite a lot. And, uh, and I think that is something that so many people, so many families, when they're talking to me, too, just, you know, one of the things you hear over and over again is there's just no place to go. When nobody, you know, where do I go for this, for information? Where do I go for this resource? So I think it's lovely that, um, that there's information in here, um, sort of very close to what you, what your, what your, uh, company does and also just, uh, something for everyone, everyone. There's social things. I saw that too. There's uh, social events and, uh, advocacy informational and all of that. So very, very comprehensive. Um, let's jump now because I, I can't let you off without, you know, talking specifically about what you do and, um, and, and, um, and how it all works. Uh, can you talk now about the actual services that you provide or your team provides and maybe cover things like also um, can people interact with you virtually, um, in person? Is it phone-based? Um, is it, is it, are you flexible with that? Um, I'd love for people to know how accessible you are to them. I consider myself accessible, probably too accessible. Uh, so work, we can do business uh, any state in the country. I always make a promise to get back to any communication with 24 hours, but usually it's closer to 24 seconds, so I'm very quick to respond. And so I, I think, although a lot of what we talk about is complicated, I, I try to you know meet people where they are and in the communication style that's most comfortable for them. Great. So especially now with, you know, the pandemic in our lives, I think um, a lot of people even more so are feeling um, much more comfortable talking on the phone or doing a Skype meeting or a Zoom call or something to um, to get their questions answered. Um, 
so that's great. The flexibility, I think, is probably helps a lot of people. Um, in terms of, you said something earlier that struck me that, that you're, you're, you do a lot of traditional financial planning, but you also want to work directly with the people, um, you know, who, who you might be talking about. Um, so, and you said something that really touched me that often, often those folks are overlooked in this process. People are planning around them, for them, but not necessarily with them. Is that how you see things? Absolutely. We found this even with things as simple as we do a lot of work on, uh, again, driving presentations of driving with autism. And, mm-hmm. you know, we found that we need the parent not to be in the room when we ask the student, you know, for, you know, what bothers them or with the driving. And a lot of times it's just being a parent, right, um, of, of mm-hmm. any individual, right, and speaking mm-hmm. up. But... I find, you know, especially a lot of times the parents are so used to advocating, right, for their child. It's what they've done so long that a lot mm-hmm. of times that the individual, not the child anymore, is left out of the conversation, right, even though it's about mm-hmm. them. I think that that's, uh, that's very true. Um, and and I, I like how you put it, that it's really not a judgment thing. It's very understandable. You've been advocating for often over 20 years on behalf of, of your loved one, and then it is a big transition to all of a sudden say, okay, well, now, you know, you're going to go and interact with a professional financial planner, and I can't be there. Um, so do you find yourself kind of helping families and parents through that a little bit in terms of maybe explaining and, and reassuring them that there's, still, there's a role for them in this process, but it's not you sort of taking on every role? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think most parents are, you know, they want to do that. It's just, I think it's a lot of the professionals like myself who are really, you know, leaving the individuals out of the equation, right? Mm-hmm. And I think they're just used to being able to do that. Um, one of my common things that I, I say a lot is you have to know where you want to go before how you're going to get there. So a lot mm-hmm. of times what I notice is people are coming and they're saying, well, I, I, I need this or I need that. And it's not so much important to what you have, but you should know why you did it. So, for example, somebody shouldn't come to me and say, this is exactly what I need here, 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 and here. But they should know why they want something. And I think mm-hmm. there's so much overload for information. One of the things that I notice is, you know, that we get too lost in the weeds. Well, and also if you come in, you know, to any sort of planning session or discussion with a sense of, I know what I need already, then it changes the dynamic. But if you're, if you look at the end game, right, you know, this is why, this is what's important to me, then it probably feels much more like a collaborative process to figure out the best path towards that goal. Um, so, yeah, so, I do a lot of work on ABLE accounts, and a lot uh-huh. of times I get a phone call, I need an ABLE account. And I'm like, well, why do you need an ABLE account? And after yeah. two minutes, oh, you don't have any estate plan, you don't have a will, you, there's so much going on, and I'll conference in an attorney I work with to help get that process started. An ABLE mm-hmm. account in a silo is almost never a bad thing, but it didn't address the actual reason they were calling me, which I think goes into estate planning, which was something you wanted to mention. 
I did want to talk about that, and actually, it's funny that you brought up able accounts because they they got sort of a lot of um, PR. It was kind of like you know we had a we had an influx of parents asking about able accounts. Um, what are they? How do they work? What's the purpose? And um, I think sometimes that is the case, especially again with this particular group of individuals and their family members. Um, there are so many sort of tag words, tag lines, and catchy words out there about what type of account people should have. And over the years, um, you know, it went from special needs trusts, which I know I can see on your website you also work on, but for people in certain circumstances, special needs trusts are not going to actually support that that person into the long-term future if they, for example, are living in a place like Anderson, um, which is a res- you know, primarily residential program uh, designed to serve people through their lifespan. Um, so, so I did want to ask you just your thoughts about estate planning. Um, we've been talking about it for years at Anderson. We have families, who've, many of whom whose children have been with us for, you know, even 20, 30, 40 years even. Um, and clearly this is where the, the family expects them to, to be for the rest of their lives. And, and, um, and so we, we tr- do our best to educate families about not only um, why um, and what, what putting a place like Anderson into your estate plan does for your child in terms of long-term sustainability for the organization that you want them to be in. But but also, we get a lot of feedback that estate planning kind of feels overwhelming. It's it's a tough thing to think about. It kind of brings your own mortality into the mix. But it's also, I think there's a sense that it's very difficult to do or that there's, you know, um, that it's not going to be understandable. So can you provide any sort of reassurance that there actually, you know, there are various options from what I understand in, in terms of how you can um, how you can plan your estate from something as simple as, like, you know, life insurance beneficiaries to maybe something a little bit more complicated? Yeah, and, and again, to go back to that earlier point, I mean, what's really important is to have, you know, a good team of people who know what, they're talking about what they're doing, and this is what they do. So I find, I was asked the question just uh, yesterday, what's the best way to interview an estate planning attorney? And I say, ask them why they do it, right? And I, I think, you know, similar to me having a passion, it's the reason I do what I do. You know, estate planning, very similar. Usually there's, there's a, a big reason that they focus on that. And there's other qualifying factors, but you should understand that an estate plan is how everything works together. So, you know, a trust is not a plan. Having insurance is not a plan. You know, those are are tools. So you should be able to go to, you know, uh, an attorney or a team and say, what I want is for, you know, my, my son to, you know, live, you know, Anderson forever, but I also want so much money to go to, you know, charity. I have some other children as well. Here's what I want. And a consultative approach should be okay, well, there's three ways to make those happen. Let's go over, you know, the pros and cons to each of those. And and then that gets, you know, implemented. I think Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to this type of estate planning, it's the most important thing you can do because you won't ever know if it worked out correctly, right? You won't be here. So you won't know if if you – it's the – 
the $1,000 you might save going to, you know, someone less expensive or not doing it the right way, I just don't think there's a, a more important thing that you can really make sure is done correctly the way that you want it done. Well, I think that's beautifully said, and I love the fact that your your best advice there is ask professionals why they do what they do. Um, it's certainly, I'm glad I asked you why you do what you do because it really was an enjoyable conversation, and um, and and I think that you uh, let our audience know a little bit about yourself, which hopefully will uh, encourage people to not only go visit your website, planningacrossthespectrum.com, but also to just think about the importance of financial planning overall, no matter where you are in your life and uh, and what, well, not what you're looking for, but why you're looking, right? Know <laughs> um, why exactly. you want something. All right. Well, on that note, Andrew Comero from Planning Across the Spectrum, uh, I really appreciate your time today on 1 in 54, and I wish you best of luck in your continued success and, and your business. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to 1 in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week. 